in Revelation 19, we have the revelation of Jesus Christ, meaning the second coming, the return of Jesus Christ, when he comes to rule and reign, not when he comes to rapture his saints out. And uh, by the way, the easy difference between that, and we'll get into that uh, later, is in the rapture, Jesus comes for his children. In the return, he comes with his children. Uh, in the rapture, he comes to take us out from the wrath to come. In the return, he comes. we come with him to rule and reign, and he is going to destroy his enemies, those that have stood against him. And so when you look at Revelation chapter 19, verse 11, just read along with me, and we're going to read into verse uh, chapter number 20 here. <clears throat> it says, And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. And he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns, and he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. We remember that name. Amen. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Here's that title again, the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And I saw an angel standing in the sun and cried with a loud voice, saying to all the fowls that fly in the midst of heaven, Come and gather yourselves unto the supper of the great God, that ye may eat the flesh of kings, that ye may eat the flesh of captains, that ye may eat the flesh of mighty men, and the flesh of horses, and them that sit on them, and the flesh of all men, both free and bond, both small and great. And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him that sat on the horse and against his army. And this is about to be the shortest battle that's ever taken place. Amen. And the beast was taken <clears throat> and with him the false prophet that wrought miracles before him which he had deceived them that received the mark of the beast and them that worshipped his image, these both were cast alive into a lake of fire burning with brimstone, and the remnant were slain with the sword of him that sat upon the horse, which sword proceedeth out of his mouth, and all the fowls were filled with their flesh." And I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years, and cast him into a bottomless pit, and shut him up, and set a seal upon him, that he should deceive the nations no more, till the thousand years should be fulfilled." And after that he must be loosed a little season. And I saw thrones, and they that sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God, which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ 
a thousand years. But the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. So you have your outline here, and I know that's a quite a bit of scripture. It's really all that we'll read tonight. Uh, we'll fill in these blanks here. But as we stated in our last lesson, the student, blank line there, the student of biblical eschatology. I'll spell that one. That's a big one. Amen. E-S-C-H-A-T-O-L-O-G-Y. The student of biblical eschatology, E-S-C-H-A-T-O-L-O-G-Y, must decide whether to interpret the Bible and particularly prophetic scripture literally or in some other way. You have to decide. Every one of us has to decide whether we interpret the Bible literally or in some other way. Now, again, in our last lesson, we dealt with, with figures, when God uses figures. And by the way, he does use some figures in Revelation. We know that, amen. Uh, but we're talking about just the, the general interpretation, particularly of prophecy here. And, and I, I put this in, in the outline on purpose. This uh, has led to great divisions of interpretation in many genuine believers. Okay, please don't think if there's another church, another Baptist church, another independent Baptist church that takes a different uh, uh, timeline on prophecy that they're not saved. They must not be. Don't, don't think that, okay? Please. Uh, we, genuine believers have genuine disagreements. I, I got a lesson that I started working on today about Paul and Barnabas. You know what they were? Both genuine believers and Brother George, they disagreed. They disagreed who was going to accompany him on that trip. Barnabas said, we need to take uh, John Mark. And, and Paul said, we can take anybody, but, with, but not him. I'm taking Silas. Barnabas said, well, I'm taking John Mark. And Paul said, well, I'm not going. I'm not going. With, you know, just think about it. These were good men who disagreed. And so, again... There are, there are great divisions of interpretation in many genuine believers. In this lesson, we will look at three views of the order in which the return of Christ and future events will unfold. And they are, they are systems of interpretation. They define us. Okay? If somebody asks me, matter of fact, I remember when I candidated, they asked me, tell me, tell us what you believe about the return of Christ. And I said, I am premillennial. I believe in the pre-tribulation rapture of the Lord. So the first thing we're looking at here is premillennialism. Okay, number one, premillennialism, P-R-E-M-I-L-L-E-N-N-A-L-I-S-M. Premillennialism. What, what does that mean? That's a big word, Pastor. What does that mean? Okay. Those who adopt a literal interpretation of prophecy, like as we were just reading this text, okay, you were, you were reading about the return of the Lord, the destruction of his enemies, and then a thousand year reign. Okay. Those of us 
who adopt a literal interpretation of prophecy, by and large, I said by and large, not everybody, but by and large, take a premillennial position. Premillennial. That is, they believe that the scriptures relating to Christ's second coming are to be interpreted, and this is so important, to be interpreted just as literally as those about Christ's first coming. Amen? Do we, do we, we look at when it said that Jesus would be born of a virgin, do we spiritualize that or do we interpret that literally? Literally. Well, we look at, hey, he was going to be born in Bethlehem, Ephratah. Well, you know, Bethlehem is, a, is an allegory for all of Judah. No! We really believe that he was going to be born of a virgin and born in Bethlehem because that's what the Scripture says. So we interpret the, the passages in regards to his second coming just as literally as those of his first coming. Namely, that the future kingdom on earth, sometimes it's called the millennial kingdom, okay? The future kingdom on earth will follow the return of Christ and last 1,000 years, okay? That's, that is the position of premillennialists. You say, uh, am I a premillennialist? Well, do you believe the return of Christ is going to precede the millennium and the millennium is going to last a thousand years? Yes, then you are a premillennialist. You said, I didn't even know it, Pastor. Hallelujah. Amen. The second, number two, and we have a long quote here uh, which from a great, great study Bible, the Kerbin uh, Study Bible, and that is the number one, premillennialism, but number two, Ah, millennialism. And by the way, all of these are, are um, facets of, of prefixes, uh, what the prefixes mean. Like premillennialism, of course, means before, pre, before. Ah, millennialism uh, is the, the prefix of no. Uh, like we would say, uh, amusement park. Amen? Now, you don't know what the amusement park is. To muse means to think. Amuse means not to think, amen? So if you're at the amusement park, don't think, especially about the prices, amen? Don't do that. Amillennialism. What's amillennialism? Those who hold this school of thought say there will be no future millennial reign of Christ on earth. They say that the prophecies of the millennial kingdom are not literal, but rather they refer figuratively to the happy state of the church today. Now, that, our millennialism gets more ridiculous as we get closer to the end, end of days, amen? Because if the church, the church may be many things today corporately, but happy is not one of them, amen? Under attack, sometimes attack from within, divided on so many different areas. We're talking about the whole church, amen? Uh, the body of Christ. And uh, he, he has a point here. He says, they understand Satan to be bound today. When one compares, however, the state of the nations and the church today with Revelation 20, verse 3, it is difficult to, uh, to defend the amillennial notion that Satan today is bound so he should deceive the nations no more. And to that uh, quote by Mr. Kerbin, I say amen. There is no way on God's green earth that Satan is bound right now. He is moving freely in this 
wicked world which is getting more wicked by the day. So the amillennial position, really the, the key to the interpretive part of this is that they say the prophecies of the millennial kingdom are not to be interpreted literally. And I was going to get into, there's, there's several dimensions to amillennialism, but I, I kind of got to that point where I was like, you know, I don't need to explain every last detail of points that we don't hold. Amen. If, you, if you're amillennial, that's fine. You want to try to convince me of your position, that's fine too. Uh, but again, as a church, as, as your pastor, we take a premillennial position. And so then the last one we'll look at tonight is not only premillennialism, of course, where the return of Christ precedes the millennium, amillennialism, where there is no millennium, but then there's postmillennialism, postmillennialism. And those who adopt this method believe that the prophecies of the kingdom will be fulfilled during the last 1,000 years of this age, with the gospel going to the ends of the earth and ushering in 1,000 years of peace, and then Christ finally returning. The only problem with that is it just is not a literal interpretation of the scriptures. Uh, it, it does not make sense. Again, the gospel going to the ends of the earth, to God be the glory. That, that's a part of our job, amen, to get the gospel to the ends of the earth. But we know this, some believe and some don't believe. We're, we're, not, we're not going to convert the world. We are trying to convert some of the world before the Lord returns. And we are certainly not going to usher in 1,000 years of peace by getting the gospel to the end. I'll tell you, there's only one person who's going to usher in 1,000 years of peace, and it's the Prince of Peace. When he returns and puts all his enemies down and binds Satan for 1,000 years, how could we not have peace? Amen. And so uh, that's, that's the lesson tonight here. And in, in, again, just the key of interpretation. So that premillennialism, that is, we believe that the scriptures interpreted literally, and namely that the future kingdom on earth will follow the return of Christ and will last a thousand years. Amillennialism, that is, there is no millennium. The prophecies of the millennial kingdom are not literal, uh, but figurative. And then postmillennialism, and that is those who adopt these believe the prophecies of the kingdom will be fulfilled during the last thousand years of this age with the gospel going to the ends of the earth and ushering in 1,000 years of peace. Okay, we've got time for prayer.